from the creator economy to the end of Bretton Woods and the origins of the metaverse. This is the UAE Tech Podcast Web3 edition. Tune in for cutting edge interviews on how blockchain is reshaping cyberspace, finance and culture from here in Dubai and cities around the world. If you had asked me this in 2012, 2013, when there was certainly still, uh, I would say, risk, fear, uncertainty with regards to global adoption of digital assets, I would have um, been more passionate about providing counter arguments. Uh, at this point in time, with every big bank uh, adopting blockchain technology and starting to acquire blockchain companies. Uh, the biggest companies in the world, Walmart, Nike, Apple, um, Google, et cetera, building blockchain apartments, the biggest venture capital companies in the world, like Sequoia, A16Z, building out billion-dollar digital asset funds. Um, some of the smartest people in the world, like Wozniak, um, coming on board digital asset companies, uh, Musk as well. Uh, at this point, if someone uh, doesn't see the shift uh, in financial infrastructure uh, and, and, and you know, the disruptive opportunity in blockchain technology, um, you know, I, don't, I don't know what to tell them. Michael Gord started talking about Bitcoin in high school, which seems both inconceivable and opportune. From there, he started fintech clubs at McGill, Bitcoin Canada, and later the Blockchain Association of Canada. At one point, the world's first Bitcoin embassy in Montreal was based two blocks away from where he lived. Today, Gord is co-founder and CEO at Assets International, which according to its website, provides institutions with exposure to a premier global ecosystem of cutting-edge blockchain technology companies. We got hold of Michael in between hotel checkout and what sounds a little bit like a drive through Jumanji to talk about digital asset investing for corporations and individuals. So Michael, will digital assets ever really see mass adoption? Or is that just a pipe dream? Uh, it is now a certainty, I think. We are way past the tipping point of whether this is a fad or whether this is a uh, disruptive trend that will touch every human and every industry. Well, I, I agree with you. I'm fascinated by digital assets. Um, I'm fascinated by digital real estate. I am a great critic of the existing financial system um, and, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the problems that we have with it. Unfortunately, I've got a lot of friends who, who are in a similar space to you, but perhaps more traditional, who vehemently disagree with me. They think I'm a naive techie, that I don't have any financial experience and that I don't know what I'm talking about. And they say that, look, okay, digital assets might be exciting. We admit you might be able to make some good money about it from digital assets, but you know what? The minute you cash out those digital assets, you're buying real estate. You're buying fiat, possibly. <laughs> you're investing in real physical items. So, you know, we're prepared to go halfway. 
maybe digital assets are a route to newfound wealth in the future, but that wealth will always be vested in physical things. What do you think about that, uh, that argument? Um, if you had asked me this in 2012, 2013, when there was certainly still, uh, I would say risk, fear, uncertainty with regards to global adoption, digital assets, I would have, um, been more passionate about providing counter arguments. Uh, at this point in time, with every big bank uh, adopting blockchain technology and starting to acquire blockchain companies, uh, the biggest companies in the world, Walmart, Nike, Apple, um, Google, et cetera, building blockchain apartments, the biggest venture capital companies in the world, like Sequoia, A16Z, building out billion-dollar digital asset funds, um, some of the smartest people in the world, like Wozniak, um, coming on board digital asset companies, uh, Musk as well. Uh, at this point, if someone uh, doesn't see the shift uh, in financial infrastructure uh, and, and, and you know, the disruptive opportunity in blockchain technology, um, you know, I don't want, I don't know what to tell them. They're lost. So basically I was wasting my time arguing with those people. That actually makes me feel kind of good because I'm not a financial expert. Um, but but based on what you just said, I might have been right. You mentioned 2012. Um, you were saying back in 2012, if someone had put forward that argument, you'd have, you know, you'd have thought, okay, and actually argued against it. Now you don't really see the need, but take us back to 2012 then. I mean, what is GDA Capital? How did you get into this space? What's your story? Um, I had the good fortune of seeing the Wired article in 2011 when Bitcoin had just gone to um, $30. And I had heard of it at less than a penny uh, when I was in high school. And uh, the Wired article explains the underlying technology uh, had me go down the rabbit hole, and I, uh, over the next few months, decided it was the most exciting technology in the history of the world. I wanted to tell anyone who would listen to about it, although at that time, it was still hugely speculative. Uh, no one was interested in it, and it was very counterculture. Um, so I really immersed myself into the industry by starting the uh, cryptocurrency club at McGill University, where I was going to school. I then started the McGill Fintech Society. I started Bitcoin Canada while I was in university. I took on a board seat of the Blockchain Association of Canada while I was in university. And I had the good fortune of living two blocks away from the Bitcoin embassy in Montreal, which is the first physical location to advocate for, uh, for Bitcoin and blockchain technology in the world. So uh, I was pretty exposed to the global industry as, at a very young age as a result of that. Um, but when I was in school, starting these clubs, uh, hosting events, uh, giving out Bitcoin and airdrops uh, to to my classmates. Um, a lot of people, actually, pretty much everyone, uh, couldn't see the potential future. And as a university student that hadn't uh, really achieved any level of success, uh, I felt that the opportunity was so high that I wanted to invest my time into bringing people along with me. Um, and at this point, you know, only a few years, only a few years later, uh, achieving. Uh, some arbitrary 
uh, level of success that uh, I would say most of the world would, you know, consider to be uh, at least quote unquote, you know, material success. And I think I'm, I think I'm successful in other parts of my life as well. But uh, if we purely think in, in terms of like lifestyle and, and, and material wealth, which is not really not real wealth, but um, I don't, I don't think, you, you know, it's a waste of my time, I think, to try to convince people at this point that don't see it. Um, because at this point they're just, they're just being a naysayer and you could, you know, if I don't, you know, if you don't believe me, then just watch. Yeah. So you're not really an evangelist for Bitcoin anymore. That was in the past. Well, I'm very, very much, very much focused on mainstream adoption of digital assets. It's just, where do you spend your time? And I would way mm. rather invest my time into working with enterprises, multinational ones, uh, you know, big investors that do believe in the potential of blockchain technology that can massively accelerate global growth to spend time trying to convince a naysayer that I'm right and they're wrong is not worth my time anymore. No, I, I, I completely agree. And, you know, kind of what you were saying and to an extent is happening in work and in the economy as a whole. There's a lot of people who, you know, left existing quite prestigious tech platforms to move into the crypto space or the Web3 space or however you want to define that space. There's a lot of people are looking at kind of the companies of the future, not just the financial systems of the future and thinking, okay, well, not everyone gets it. You know, not, not everyone understands my life choices, but I don't particularly have to explain them because I know this stuff is fascinating. Um, and I guess you've just done that in, in, in an industry that, you know, in, in a pretty in interesting industry. But when you talk about digital assets, I think 90% of the people listening to this podcast are probably already working in or have some kind of investment in digital assets. But for those who don't, can you kind of give us a quick introduction to the nuts and bolts of what you do? Um, it's two questions there. The first is what are digital assets? The second is, is what, what I do. I'll start with the first. Yeah. Uh, digital assets are any asset class that you put on the blockchain and is represented digitally. So a digital asset could be a fiat currency issued on the blockchain, like uh, like Tether or Circle or, um, you know, there's one for CAD, one for Euro, et cetera. It could be a, um, a, a crypto asset, like a utility coin uh, issued on the blockchain, uh, like a loyalty point. Um, so that's most of the, of the digital assets today are in that category could be a security or a commodity issued on the blockchain. So there's, you know, gold on the blockchain, there's real estate on the blockchain, there's uh, securities like private equity or public equity that is on the blockchain. And soon all public equity and all private equity, I think will be on the blockchain. All commodities will be traded on the blockchain. All foreign exchange will be traded on the blockchain. All assets in the world uh, will be traded on the blockchain. Uh, it's just a matter of time. Uh, and what do I do? Um, so uh, I've got an ecosystem of companies that are focused across the blockchain capital market. So we do uh, public offerings of digital assets. We also do, uh, we're getting into traditional public markets. We did the, uh, one of my partners is director of the first uh, blockchain SPAC. Um, it's now trading on NASDAQ at about 100M valuation. I'm also a partner of tokens.com, which is a public staking company um, listed in Toronto and, on, and in Frankfurt. Uh, but our core business is, is, uh, is, is you know, digital assets, so uh, listing on blockchain exchanges. 
Uh, we have a sales and trading business called Secure Digital Markets that does a few hundred, hundred million dollars of monthly transaction volume. We've got a lending business. Um, we've got a fixed income business, asset management business, got a metaverse business, a few NFT businesses. So yeah, pretty, pretty diversified. What are the digital assets that you're most excited about? Because I know, you know, NFTs are very popular in Dubai. Um, there's also been some pushback against NFTs, particularly on things like, you know, um, NFTs for avatars or digital assets for in-game worlds that you can't transition into other worlds or that, you know, might not be here in a hundred years time, even though they are registered on the, on the blockchain. So what are the digital assets that you're most excited about? And, and what are the questions that you think are legitimate when people come to you, investors come to you and they're asking you questions? How do you kind of, how do you talk to them about this space and why do you think they have the confidence increasingly to invest in some of these assets and to create some of these funds? Um, yeah, so, so NFTs by... Uh, are, are certainly uh, transferable between games or between metaverses uh, if by, by default. Uh, by design, uh, although I'm not sure why a developer would design an application to be like this, um, it is possible to make your NFTs not interoperable, but, uh, but it certainly is possible for NFTs to be Cross metaverse, cross blockchain, cross application, and that's actually a big value proposition of of NFTs. That if you're a game developer that uh, that creates uh, NFTs, for example, a you know uh, a dragon sword that's really popular, then a way for other game developers to drive adoption to their game is to integrate that dragon sword nft into their game which would make the um the users of the game of the initial dragon sword you know game more likely to also try out the second game or the 100th game that implements that that dragon sword that is very popular um i i, I hope that example is is makes sense yeah, so I'm super excited about NFTs. I'm super excited about metaverse assets. Um, I'm really excited about any any digital asset class. Like you know, utility tokens represent 99.9 percent of the market. So we're 99.5 of the market. So that's still where we're you know actually maybe with NFTs and, and metaverse now it's 95 percent of the market. But that's still where the majority of the market is. So very bullish on that. With regards to how to talk to investors. Um, I, I think that it's look look at the numbers. Um, there's never been faster growth of technology in human history. Um, early adopters of of, uh, of new market niches are creating unicorn companies in six months instead of twenty years, like in the traditional market. And I wanted to ask you about the younger generation because I was talking to a group of, of um, creators working in the metaverse. And they were saying, if you look at the existing economy, it's not just that it's not working for us. It's not just that the proceeds from our labor in that economy is so small. It's that we can barely access it. You know, a lot of us in, in markets like the States, the UK and elsewhere in the world are struggling to buy a house or even pay rent. And yet in this economy, we have much more freedom to create. Um, we can do some really interesting things. And many of us are doing very well. Um, so what do you think about this idea that 
you know, there's a lot of opportunity that out there. And you've talked a lot about, you know, the big banks and the big hedge funds and the big guys moving into this space. I guess I want to ask you about, you know, the the the, main, the middle class, the mainstream and, and everyone else as well. What do you think about that? What, what's your take on that? Um, for anyone in the world, whether you are living on a dollar a day or on uh, you know, a billion dollars a year. If you hold your wealth, your assets in the bank, you earn 0% savings. If you hold your assets on the blockchain in US dollars, you earn 10% APY, um, which is extreme value for anyone on earth. If you are um, living in a, like a lot of the world's in an economy that has no banks, the blockchain provides you the ability to be banked for free. Um, if you are in Canada or the US, which are um, supposed to be developed banking infrastructure s- systems, and I want to send $1 to China, it costs me $30 and takes three business days. So if mm. I am sending that transaction on Saturday, then it gets, or if I send it on Friday after 5 p.m. Canada time, it's going to get to China, the $1 on Wednesday, and it's going to cost me $30 to send that transaction of $1, which obviously doesn't make sense. And the actual logistics of that transaction is purely a gigabyte of data. I'm able to send a gigabyte of data to China instantly for free via email. But to send a gigabyte of value, uh, it's not possible. Um, if, um, so most of the world just, and, and, and that's, that's the only traditional system that exists. I have no ability to use another bank in Canada or to send to another bank in China. And if I'm sending it to sub-Saharan Africa, it's even more expensive if I'm using a a software, a a system like Western Union. So the blockchain provides global banking infrastructure for free, instant free global transactions. I could send a penny to China instantly for free on Saturday, 24 hours. Um, you know, the blockchain doesn't sleep. The blockchain doesn't have holidays um, like, like traditional bankers do. And they don't have, you know, 100, 100 different, uh, different people that are extracting as much value as they can to add as, you know, it's not adding a huge amount of value to send a dollar from Canada to China. Why does it cost $30? That's um, crazy. I mean, you know, you just you just described that so simply, <laughs> but in, in a way, you know, anyone can understand. So, some people describe this shift as inevitable, right? That this this shift, based on everything you said, the pure logic is that this shift towards these new instruments, um, new blockchain-based financial infrastructure, new investments in digital assets, digital forms of value, is inevitable. It's a civilizational change. Um, And I think, you know, in very simple terms, you made a really interesting kind of just on a surface level argument for that right now. 
But what about the regulators? What about um, the the old the old tech? What about the incumbents? What do you see happening to regulate this space? And do you think things are heading in the right direction, or there are some road bumps ahead? Um, so, so first, just uh, I think also valuable to mention that um, if people are holding their their assets in livestock, which a lot of the world do, obviously that's risky because uh, you know sheep and cows can be killed uh, or can die. Um, uh, most of the world, if they're in the financial system, they hold their wealth in dollars if they can. Uh, and traditionally, fiat currencies have been relatively stable, only losing 2% of their value every year due to inflation. But recently with COVID and the printing of trillions of dollars of cash, I think that it's like 30, 40% of the global dollars in circulation have been printed in the last two years. Uh, in, in my opinion, the, the certainty that there won't be inflation greater than 2% is, uh, is, is no longer existent. I think that already inflation is well above 2%. So holding dollars is very risky. Uh, in my opinion, the only way to, um, to build wealth and to, for if, if you're paid $100 a, a, a month or you know, any, any amount is to hold assets, uh, whether it's real estate, gold, uh, securities or, or digital assets. And every asset class is going up quite a lot now relative to dollars, um, you know, perhaps because they're going up, but also because the value of dollars and the value of fiat currencies are going down. Um, but most of the world doesn't have the um, ability to invest into real estate. Uh, to invest into gold means that you need to store your gold, like actual physical gold means you need to secure your gold, which is quite expensive and difficult. Um, and, and the potential upside of gold and real estate is not as exponential as, as digital assets. So I think for anyone in the world, lower class, middle class, upper class, uh, investing a percentage of your, of your portfolio into the potential you know, exponential digital asset opportunity, whether it's utility coins, whether it's NFTs, or whether it's uh, even securities on the blockchain are just a higher value, in my opinion, because you can transact them globally. Um, so there's, yeah, all these, all these benefits for everyone. And uh, I, I mean, yeah, sorry, yeah. second question you were going to answer. Sorry about that. Yeah, with regards to regulations, um, I am certainly not a lawyer, certainly not a regulator. Um, I think that already the government is is uh, is or governments around the world are looking to regulate crypto blockchains. Uh, the problem is there is not a significant understanding of the technology that regulators, especially in the West, are looking to regulate the technology based on existing laws so either uh, regulating it as a security or as a commodity or as a fiat currency which just doesn't work it's putting a round peg into a square hole because digital assets are not securities they don't represent equity they don't represent share future revenues 
they're not commodities. Um, they, so, so new regulations need to be created to properly, um, properly provide the opportunity for innovators to experiment and not push innovators out and to um, you, you know, be able to have the, the population of the countries uh, access the positive benefits of, of digital assets we were talking about earlier. How are cities like Dubai and countries like the UAE, what do you think that they're doing right? And, and, and what, is, what was interesting for you um, when you visited uh, the UAE and Dubai in general about the community out there? And, and also you did mention COVID-19, and of course it's been since COVID-19 really that city-states like Dubai have just been booming and, and moving very fast into this digital asset space. Yep. Um, well, I've been coming to Dubai for the past um, past six years. I've been about 15 times now. Um, I think that whereas a lot of the West is, uh, is fearful of, of digital assets, uh, taking market share away from, from the dollar, um, the East seizes an opportunity to further develop themselves. Um, Dubai has definitely taken a global market-leading approach for an onshore jurisdiction. I think that the best way to learn is to start um, with a, you know, start with a nominal amount of, of capital and fail and then try again and maybe fail again. But the, the potential opportunity of, of learning is, is very high. And I think a big part of it is is trying to find information from people that know what they're doing and uh, people know what they're doing. I think they're disproportionately likely to um, have have good picks uh, than picking randomly uh, or picking a project that is already hyped. Um, I think a lot of the same principles apply to digital assets as to the traditional stock market. Um, buy when there's fear, sell when there's greed. If, uh, if an asset has just gone up 5,000%, that's not the time to buy. Um, if a asset that is, has long-term potential just goes down 70%, that's a good time to buy. Um, as far as which asset class, like where they would go, uh, it depends on which asset class they want to get. So if they want to get utility coins, which is most of the market and is fungible, then you'd go to a exchange. If you'd want to get NFTs or metaverse land, then you'd go to an NFT marketplace. Um, I think that being diversified is is also key. So not having all of your all of your eggs in, in one basket or in one niche of the market. Um, if I am to so our, our portfolio allocation is about sixty uh, percent into protocols, thirty um, percent into NFTs, metaverse, and and GameFi. Uh, it's actually maybe a bit more than thirty percent now, um, and about ten percent into into DeFi, um, which is. I wouldn't say 100% by design. Um, we've been quite opportunistic and we've had a diversified approach and it just happens that um, that's, uh, 
that's where our, our portfolio is, is now, which I think is, is pretty, pretty reflective of the market. Um, a lot of the investments that we're doing are into seed and private sale. It's very early stage digital assets now that are not yet public. Um, so like, for example, we just closed on uh, this week, a company called Partigia that is uh, a next generation layer one, next generation protocol. Uh, we just closed on Space Metaverse, which is a new metaverse. Uh, we just closed on Astra, which is compliance software for, uh, for decentralized finance applications. Um, we just closed on uh, Meta Metaverse, which is also a next generation metaverse. Um, oh, we so they're based out of part based based out of Dubai. So we've also spoken yeah. with them previously on, yeah. on on the podcast. Great guys. Yeah, yeah, good group. Um, Michael, it was a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks so much for joining uh, the UAE Tech Podcast, and we hope to meet you in Dubai soon. Yeah, pleasure, John. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the conversation. Sponsor information. The UAE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albuaba Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albuaba Business, syndication distribution on Albuaba Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.